The following is a message from Reverend Ken Belden of Wellsprings Congregation. Good to see you all from up here again. <laughs> so I want to open today with some strange but entirely true facts. This. It looks like uh, maybe it was a flood. Molasses. The great molasses explosion. It, it's not a dessert at the Cheesecake Factory. It happened in, in Boston in 1919. It killed 21 people when a container holding 2.3 million gallons of molasses broke open and flooded the streets. This area was uninhabitable for months. Something a little bit lighter here next. Strange but true. In the Industrial Revolution, people needed to start to be able to get to jobs and factories on time. But, you know, there weren't reliable alarm clocks. And so you would have people, especially in Great Britain and in Ireland, uh, this had nothing to do with pregnancy, by the way, called knockers up, <laughs> who would go around with long sticks on poles and bang on the second floor windows. This one particular one, she, her name was Mary. She was really particularly famous because she would take hardened peas and she would pea shoot them out to the upper floors until people would show themselves and then she'd move on. Strange but true. Strange but true. Maybe you've seen this. I imagine many of you have. Yes, that is a weasel riding a woodpecker. And it is not. Weasel and woodpecker are friends. The story most likely behind this, and this has been verified by National Geographic, is that the weasel probably started to attack the woodpecker, and the woodpecker in panic took flight, and they flew off together. This next picture has not been verified. Yet, even in this world of alternative facts, Putin did not ride the woodpecker riding, riding the weasel riding the woodpecker over a rainbow. <laughs> and in 1979, an African-American police officer successfully infiltrated for nine whole months the KKK. In Colorado. That's the focus of today's final Spirit Flicks message of the summer. This is Ron Stallworth, both as he was portrayed by the actor in the movie and actual Ron Stallworth, now still living. He only made his story known a couple years ago when he wrote about being, quote unquote, black Klansman. The most amazing thing about this story is not that it was tried in the first place, but that it really actually worked. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, and there's some differences between what happened in real life and what happened in the movie. They didn't, uh, you know, kind of in a cinematic way, upset a bombing at the last moment to keep the fuse from going off. But they believe that actually as a result of their investigation, they actually kept a gay bar from being bombed right from the KKK. They actually found out that there were people within this chapter of the KKK who were involved in some of the highest levels of army security at places like NORAD, missile defense. And we never quite know exactly what happened to those army officers, except they were moved out of NORAD. This investigation made a difference. Now, one of the most interesting things about this movie, and this is absolutely true in the movie and in what happened in real life, Ron Stallworth, young Ron Stallworth, 
spent time talking on the phone with David Duke. The former, what do they call it in KKK nomenclature? Grand Arch Dragon or whatever they call it. David Duke cannot be normalized. He is a thorough white supremacist. Ron Stallworth almost kind of befriends him in this movie. He calls to complain that he hasn't gotten his KKK card yet. <laughs> and David Duke expedites it. I mean, this is a funny movie as well, too. It's a Spike Lee joint, as is said, as Spike Lee says. And so there's all these kinds of shifts in tone. <laughs> you know, you got grand sweeping historical epic and you got intimate relationships and you have tragedy and sadness and you have tremendous humor. I think I've probably seen every Spike Lee movie he's made over the last 32, 35 years since he's been making movies. And there's one thing that really surprised me about this movie. How hopeful it was. Not that things are turning out okay right now. That's not how the movie ends, or it ends really on a cliffhanger, which is our current moment. I'm going to get back to that later on. But what this movie strives to say is that systems can work. Systems against oppression, for inclusion, for greater justice, can and should work. Now, part of me wonders if one of the reasons Spike Lee was drawn to Ron Stallworth is that in some way their stories are parallel. Ron was the first African-American officer hired by the Colorado Springs Police Department. He had that whole thing as the great scholar W.E.B. Du Bois talked about that double consciousness of being a representative from a marginalized group who has to learn how to operate in the wider, wider world and to kind of code switch between the worlds. This is the story that Spike Lee has been living as perhaps the most notable African-American filmmaker, certainly of our lifetime, who has had to work within a Hollywood system that is so thoroughly white. I don't know what it's like to do that. What I do know is that it is challenging, tremendously challenging. It can take years off people's lives to have to go back and forth. And still... Believe, as Ron Stallworth did, that working within the system, as imperfect as it is, is the way or a way that our systems can be better and healthier and more vibrant. Now, like I said, this is a pretty serious movie. And it's also tremendously humorous and funny. I mean, you get to see Ron Stallworth on the phone. He never shows up as himself as he's making this connection. We'll get to that in just a moment. But you see him on the phone having all these conversations with representatives of the KKK and with David Duke. And you get to hear him, and it's very amusing. You get to hear him and see him sit back and listening as David Duke explains to him that David Duke has the capacity to be able to tell exactly who is black by the sound of their voice. It is a funny, funny scene. And, of course, ultimately, this is not a comedy. 
This movie makes the case that it is really easy to revert back to our old systems. Emotionally, socially, politically, especially the old system, the oldest American system there is of white supremacy. And if you've seen this movie, and I would encourage you to see it if you haven't, the last 10 minutes was one of those sitting in the movie theater could hear a pin drop experience. And when it was done, no one got up and left. We'll return to that a little later on. This movie wants to make the case that our systems can work and must work if we are going to change. And there's a lot I expected about this movie. I read a lot about it before I went to see it. But I was actually really surprised at how deeply it hit me. This basic message that our systems can and must work, must be healthy if we are going to be transformed. Because, right, we all know it. We live in a time of multi-system failure. Systems over and over and over again, protecting their own power at the expense so often of people who are most vulnerable and people who are committed to their care. And I hope we've all taken a look. It's deeply troubling, but at least taken something of a look at that grand jury report on the systemic nature of what the Catholic Church did here in Pennsylvania. That someone, for example, like Larry Nasser, who abused and assaulted 150 women in his position as a gynecologist at Michigan State, there were rumors for years that something was wrong there. But the system was not healthy and robust and protected itself. We live in a time of multi-system failure. And the suffering is great. One of the things that happens when systems fail us over and over and over again is that we get hardened. Our hearts get hardened. We become cynical. We think maybe we can just pull out of all our relationships and that will keep us safe. But a downward spiral begins. More disempowerment, more fear, which creates the conditions or demagogues to come in and say things like only I can fix it or save it. And we get more suspicion and more fear and more people suffer. This is why this movie resonated so deeply with me. We need this hopefulness right now. Even if it's just one story that our systems can work and be robust and matter. There's one scene that really kind of drove this home for me in the movie. And I talked about how Ron is not Ron in real life when he's going to meet with the KKK and forming these relationships. The way that the unit was set up is they sent a white officer in his place to be, quote unquote, Ron Stallworth. And this is a scene of confrontation between Ron and the white officer with the name of Flip. Nickname of Flip. We come to learn that Flip is Jewish. And yet he really doesn't see his Jewishness as having anything at all to do 
with this work against the KKK. Ron does something. You ever hear about calling in versus calling out? You call someone out, you're trying to make them the fall person, the person we want to put out. Calling in is actually calling someone back to the better angels of their nature, to be their best selves so that we can join together in work. And this is exactly what Ron does with Flip in this scene. He says, I need you to have skin in the game, man. You've got to know this matters to you. That your liberation, your freedom is at stake here. Not just mine. This is one of the things I really love about this scene is that when we are deeply in pursuit of health, of a mission, of healing, of justice, we actually don't set aside our differences and pretend we're all the same. What this scene shows is that they engage their differences. They head straight on towards their differences. And they allow them to surface, and they experience some conflict around it. And because they trust each other, they get to a different form, different form of relationship. This is how all real relationships operate. Self-differentiation. We have different experiences from and with each other. And false unity never makes any transformational change. We just end up being blank screen of projection upon which we imagine other people's lives and other people's stories. But when we really engage our differences with one another, show up, allow ourselves to see and be seen, that is where transformation occurs. The creative conflict that is at the heart of all real change. And that many of us, myself too at times in my life, to be honest, that I have spent an awful lot of time avoiding. (laughs) And yet we wonder why so many of our unhealthy systems individually, collectively just perpetuate themselves and go on and on and on. I have a colleague named Jake Morrill, who's uh, one of the best systems thinker as a clergy person that I know of. Reverend Lee's another person who also thinks this way in really skillful ways. Jake Morrill offered a quote this past week on his Facebook page, which I'm going to share with you right now. It's from Margaret Wheatley. And he says before, I'll read this out loud, for anyone in a relationship or organization, colon. (laughs) And he offers these words. In Yellowstone National Park, human-imposed stability thwarted for many years the natural process of small fires which regularly clean out brush and dead trees. The result was a fragile equilibrium completely vulnerable to the cataclysm of fire that destroyed large areas of the park. The attempt to manage for stability and to enforce an unnatural equilibrium always leads to far-reaching destruction. I'm going to read that last sentence again. The attempt to manage for stability and to enforce an unnatural equilibrium always leads to far-reaching destruction. Margaret Wheatley. The Hebrew prophets had this way of putting it. They said, be suspect of those who say, peace, peace, where there is no peace. Placidity is not a major sign of health. (laughs) 
It's very often a sign that all the real stuff is just bubbling below the surface until like a cyst or a pimple, it pops and it's messy. Placidity is not the health that any of us should be looking for in our systems. It's the same on an individual level. From someone we preached about earlier this summer, Mr. Rogers. You know that quote? I love it. Many of us do, if you know it. You know, Mr. Rogers was a kid and upsetting things would happen. He'd look to his mom and what would she say? Look for the look for the helpers. Helpers are not people who avoid trouble. <laughs> Helpers are not people who expect that things are going to be placid all the time, and that's how they should be. In healthy systems and healthy individuals, the capacity to engage what is troubling and to bring forth our best selves into those relationships, that is what changes us. These are the real helpers. I think wherever we can find a lesson that holds up to us, A mirror that reflects back to us healthy systems who can engage in this way. These are treasures. And so today, I would just like to reflect us back to us after this summer. Which was, thank you Sandy, disruptive. And as the, you know, I have a unique position within this place, being the founding minister, first person kind of ever here, Wellsprings, Wellsprings called Wellsprings. Few of you were there in those early years, but not many. This was unusual. (laughs) This was upsetting. This was not easy. And I want to be really clear about something. I have been around a lot of spiritual communities and a lot of organizations now to this point in my professional life. And please hear me clearly and also lovingly when I say this, under these circumstances, this summer, could have all gone to shit. It did not. It could have become backbiting and scapegoating You, whoever the you is, you know, if you find yourself, if we find ourselves using that language, the you (laughs) should have prevented this. I've seen organizations do that. I have seen spiritual communities do that. Totally sell out their values under stress. We did not. We're perfect because no one is. No system is. But we were healthy. And it did not go to shit. (laughs) I've reminded myself and at times you this summer that our mission charged full with the charge of the soul promises nothing about all feeling the same way at the same time about the same reality. Charged full is about connection. That we don't have to all be in the same headspace or heart space or have the same experience. What we can do is be vulnerable with each other and open with one another. And clear. This has been the most transformative thing for me this summer. I have talked individually and collectively with so many of you. And so many of you have not said the same exact thing as the person before you or after you said. (laughs) And still, we are charged full. Because we have remained connected. 
In fact, I don't assume as much joy as there has been in this room so far today that you're all feeling the same exact way about being back here today. (laughs) You know, maybe you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Or maybe you're like, yeah, we're home. We're never going to leave. Nothing ever bad will ever happen again. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) However we feel. Whatever thoughts there are, just as Sandy said when she was opening up as a worship leader today, we can receive each other with grace and with openness. This is how healthy systems work. To be open, to know that to be living and breathing and fully alive is to be engaging that process of unfolding and change. And that's what our message series it will be this fall at Wellsprings. It's about change. To be open in this way and to also be able to live out our values. This is what matters. I think of charge full with the charge of the soul as a continuously running broad, wide, spacious current that can handle all of the energies of our lives and that no feeling is final and that all feelings and reflections are welcome. This is how we stay connected with each other. Our world needs healthy systems because, of course, unexpected, troubling things will happen. I hope we're more robust right now as Wellsprings. And you're going to hear some of that if you stay for the Q&A, some of the changes we're making with our leaders here at Wellsprings to be better prepared, more ourselves, more living into our values so we can create health. And health, of course, requires boundaries as much as it requires openness. And I think, or at least I hope, the time will tell, that this time, this summer of disruption will help us become more the helpers that we want to be and that the world needs. Because life will always be throwing the unexpected at us. We all know this, right? I'm not telling you anything that's novel. And so I want to take us back to the end of the movie that was so powerful. This movie that really implicitly points at all these missed opportunities throughout American history. That after the bloodshed of the Civil War, there was Reconstruction. And yet what followed from Reconstruction was the tyranny and the terror of Jim Crow. And the lynchings of over 4,000 lives and the terrorization of over millions. It caused mass displacement of African-American communities within this country. And we just put it off. Because the majority of folks in America wanted things to be, you know, peaceful. (laughs) Oh, it's okay. The system works. And this movie happens right after the civil rights era. And you can see that language start to come creeping back in. States' rights. (laughs) Don't bother us. Don't trouble us. System. Remember that thing about, you know, not setting fires, not allowing the fires to happen. And so the big fires consume us. This is what happens when our norms are all about placidity and false peace rather than engaging with each other. And the last 10 minutes are about who we are right now. About this. You know, we're just a year past. I'm not going to call it alt-right. That's absolute, complete nonsense. It was a neo-Nazi rally. 
it was a KKK rally. And Heather Heyer, although it was not her intention, died because of it. And Spike Lee dedicated this movie to her memory. And so here we are in another moment, not just Wellsprings, but Wellsprings as part of the wider world. Another moment in which the oldest parts of who we are are showing their ugly, ugly faces. And I hope we've been paying attention this week. I know how busy we are, but this stuff matters. We might think it doesn't touch us, but it does. And for some of us, it actually does touch us. This administration is now stripping the citizen rights of Latin and Vietnamese people who have been in this country for a very long time, who thought that they were American citizens in the same way that I believe I am an American citizen because I am and because they are. We cannot allow, or at least folks, please, I plead with all of us, we cannot allow the hope for placidity to overcome our desire for deeper and transformative justice. And I understand, because I know I feel it too, that individually this moment feels far too overwhelming. <laughs> we just feel ground down by it. And I get it. Sometimes we've got to put these away because we could just stay connected to it all the time and it is necessary to place it away and get to connected to something deeper. Our hearts, ourselves, our deepest values. And to remember again, as this movie strives to say, and I believe, that solidarity and connection and engagement and showing up, that these are the things right now that our world needs if we are not just going to pay our pain forward for other generations. But now, Finally, truly, transform into the helpers that we wish to be. Amen. May you live in blessing. And yeah, welcome home. Would you pray with me? Divine who ripples forth throughout all our lives and every age and every generation and every life and in every heartbeat. This basic energy of the universe calling us forward into new life. We are happy this morning for the goodness of what it is to be back here on familiar and sacred ground. And may we truly have thanksgiving for this and recognize at the same time holding this in creative tension, if even perhaps creative conflict, that this life continues on and that coming home is at base. Yes, an opportunity to rest, but even more, it is an opportunity invitation to grow, to keep on growing, to keep on becoming Keep on growing into that basic likeness of goodness and compassion and love. That is both the reason we are here and also the destiny to which we are called. Amen. If you enjoyed this message and would like to support the mission of Wellsprings, go to our website, wellspringsuu.org. That's wellsprings, the letters uu.org.